0: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and jar and Levine Studios, this is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, the Sweet 16 is all set in uh, the NCAA tournament. You've got a 15 seed, you got a 12 seed, 11 seed, an 8 seed, you got a couple number ones, actually a few number ones, four big Pac-12 teams, not big 12, Pac-12 teams. How about that? What happened to the Big Ten? Just Michigan hanging around, so... The NCAA tournament sits quiet now for the next uh, handful of days, heading into the weekend, and it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but Florida State onto the Sweet 16. Of course, you can hear Florida State basketball right here on ESPN 690. If you're watching Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch feeds, the video feeds, that is, of this show each and every day, well, you'll see a beautiful backdrop once again today. We are at Eagle Landing Golf Club out here near Oakleaf Plantation. And I would call it one of the best-kept secrets in Jacksonville if you're a golf fan. And by the way, it is part of our... Action Sports Jack's Dream 18 card. More on that in a little bit. Brett Martineau here, Austin Lane, back in the Action Sports Jack studios, ready to shock your mock day two as we head toward the NFL draft coming up in late April. And the mocks are coming in, aren't they, Austin? Everybody wants to be shocked, or everybody wants to wear a t shirt with our faces on it. Yeah, I think everyone just
1: wants some free swag, and that's fine. <laughs> and you're going to have to earn that swag. You're going to have to take the beating that you're about to get when you come on shock your mock. But if you can survive it, um, and you don't have to make any phone calls to anybody that you know says that you are upset, uh, like HR or somebody like that. Then yes, you may uh, indeed get a T-shirt. But if, if if it's bad, if it's that bad where it's like I can't come with you on that one, can't. then I don't care. No T-shirt for
0: we, you. We we. Seriously, need to
1: get like a therapist as the sponsor for Shock Your Mock. I mean, I just send them to the therapist. Send them to a therapist afterwards. I mean, business can never be better. I love it, Coos.
0: That's a good idea, Coos. I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, hey, we need an electrician out there. Come sponsor Shock <laughs> yeah. Your Mock, right? We want the shock, the electricity, all that stuff. But I, I was totally outside the the thinking here. I, I should. That's why I'm a bad sales guy. Yeah. I should have been thinking of being on the couch, the therapist. All right, start making phone calls, Coos. So I, I like your idea. There uh, we will get on it shock mock season has begun mock draft season has well that started way back months and months ago but I love these mock drafts because as you get closer you can see the folks that put together mock drafts they're still looking for the clicks they're looking for the excitement they're looking for what's going to see them people read and what they're saying what's going to differentiate but they also want to start tracking toward being right you know we all have a little bit of an ego when it comes to this kind of stuff. And we want to be the guys that see, I told you they were going to pick them. Well, that's where the mock drafts start shaping up. There's more information now that uh, some of the national guys that do this have received more information, talked to more folks, seen more fall in line, seen free agency. Mel Kuyper's got a mock draft out. We'll take you there on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, Austin, I want to talk about this a little bit more at length today. I know we're a month ahead of the NFL draft, but it's going to be a lot of draft talk. Leading up to April 29th, when the Jaguars pick not just Trevor Lawrence at number one overall, but ten other selections as of now. Gosh, I hope they don't pick all ten. Hopefully they'll make them move up and uh, improve their draft position. But if they stick at number 25, I think it's really interesting, before free agency, a lot of folks would have penciled the Jaguars in for a defensive lineman or a defensive player. The Morag kid out of TCU, safety, that made some sense as well. Well, now, after free agency, Jaguars beef up their defensive front. They add a safety as well. They add a cornerback too. Does this have everybody thinking and shifting their thoughts on what the Jaguars could do at number 25 and maybe lean toward an offensive player more so than a defensive player?
1: You can definitely lean towards an offensive player now, but if Morrig's still there, because he's a guy that I think he has the skill set to play both a free safety or a strong safety, I like to see him play a strong safety. We're telling the truth here on the line because he's a very physical guy. And to me, those guys are harder to find than a free safety who's rangy, who has good footwork and athleticism. So I like to see Morrig play a uh, strong safety. But like I said, he can play either one. I think he's that talented. I think that if he drops, And I say drops because he's probably going to go before 25. But if he drops to Jacksonville, I think you take a long look at him just to kind of do your due diligence a little bit, you know, mind your P's and Q's. But I'm not going to be surprised now with the piece that they've added on defense if this team chooses to go on the offensive side of the route. And and let's be honest, I think Taylor Moore would be a big get, but as far as, like, the excitement factor, would he add that to the safety position? I don't know if the fan base is gonna go like, you know, cheering in the streets for a safety pick. I think they do go in the streets if it's a it's if like you know, if it's a dynamic playmaker like at the wide receiver position and like one of those sexy picks. So if Morrig's there, I think you consider him, but I think if you're trying to focus on offense now and give Trevor Lawrence his weapons and make this in a very exciting draft, the first one of the Urban Meyer era, I think you go towards the offensive side of the ball and obviously Urban Meyer loves speed and speed equals sexiness, Brent.
0: Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about offense versus defense with that 25th overall pick. We know what's happening with the number one pick, but the Jags have 25 and 33, first pick of day number two in the NFL draft. Where will the Jags go? How will they position themselves? And, Austin, this is almost a laughable question to ask with a team that coming off a 1-15 season, But when you pick in the first round, second round, third round especially, you could stretch this into the fourth round. But you're trying to pick starters, guys that are going to make an impact right away. Now, how much of an impact, that's debatable. But guys that could make an impact right away. Do the Jags need a lot from a starting impact perspective after free agency? Like you look at their offense, what are you going to pick that someone's going to crack the lineup and contribute right away on offense? You look on defense, and now they beef up that line. We already know what they have at linebacker. It would be more of a depth play if you pick linebacker. And now in the secondary, well, let's throw Jared Wilson in there. Who's been a reliable starter, if not a—he's not a star by any means, but he's been a reliable guy. And now you have basically your four starters uh, that that you you could at least pencil in in the secondary. So if you have picked 25, and you have picked 33, and you got a couple more picks in those first few rounds. I'm not sure you're picking up a guy that's going to impact right away from start in game one perspective.
1: Basically, what you're asking me here is what players on this roster right now have secured a starting spot at their positions, and I think if we look at the defense, I think safety can be opened up a little bit. Um, I and listen, like I, you know, I, I think from the safety position, um, who, who's the guy that they just got from from uh, L.A. Uh, the free agent.
0: Oh, Rashawn Yeah, Rashawn
1: Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's safe, in my opinion. Obviously, I oh, think yeah. Yeah. he
0: better be. They just spent thirty something million on him. Yeah, but the, is he playing strong or free? Now, that's a good question. I I, I en, I'm envisioning more on the strong side, but those the guys are so interchangeable these days. Uh, I, I envision that more because I know Jared Wilson's been a reliable guy for you, and I know he's a veteran guy, and you have. Him. Okay, so, so, I
1: mean, I guess what I was getting towards is Jared Wilson is a free safety, obviously. So yes. I think if you're going to upgrade Jared Wilson, you can upgrade Jared Wilson. True. And he's he's been, he's been tried and true, and I get that, but there's room for upgrade there. So I think safety is still in play. I think interior defensive line, you did a fantastic job of adding depth. Malcolm Brown, you know, a Tyson Aluolo. Um, You know, you got guys like Devon Hamilton still. I mean, there's a lot of pieces there to, like, you got the, the cat from Chicago. But I still think that if... You're still unsure about that. You can upgrade in the first round. still so interior defensive lineman. Not saying it's, it's definitely a need now, but I'm saying there's still room to upgrade in the starting caliber. So, interior defensive line, safety from the defense. I think on offense, you know, obviously wide receiver sticks out to me a little bit. Um, you have DJ Chark. You have LaVisca Chenault. But is LaVisca Chenault ready to be the two receiver? I don't have an answer for that. And who, who's the three receiver right now? Oh yeah, Marvin Jones. I'm sorry, yeah. Marvin Jones but then who's the three receiver gonna be? I would cut-
0: say a LaVisca right now would be the three guy.
1: Okay, but if you add a speed guy over LaVisca, then what happens then? Set. Yeah. But I'm saying like for instance, Rondale Moore. If you take Rondale Moore at Purdue, because Urban Meyer loves speed and he was kind of he's been my dark horse the entire, you know, the the off season here of some guy that Urban Meyer could like. If they take Rondale Moore, I'm not gonna be opposed to that. Because Levisca yeah, Chenault, he can do a lot of things. But does he have the speed of Rondale Moore? Probably not. And Urban Meyer loves that. Can he do you know, the, the jet sweeps like Rondale Moore can? Probably not. And there's other guys out there besides Rondale Moore. I'm just saying from a speed perspective. So I think wide receiver can be upgraded. Obviously, tight end can be upgraded. I mean, that's really the only thing there. Yeah. And as far as the first round's concerned, I mean, you, you can throw around you know interior offensive line, but as far as the first round's concerned, you don't really want to see him take a guard uh, in the first round. So to me, if we're talking about the first round, wide receiver, tight end if Kyle Pitts is there, uh, and then the safety position and maybe interior defensive line.
0: Yeah, and then you'd have to beat somebody out, probably a veteran on that interior defensive line. And listen, those are fine. They're all debatable. I'm not saying you're wrong in any way, shape, or form. I think the receiver position's interesting. Give me top four receivers, and I would count that in this, even though i mean they're not going four wide right off the rip. But I, I'd go four deep. Can can somebody you pick at 25, potentially uh, Rondell Moore, uh, Kadarius Toney, could they make an impact in your top four receivers? I would put them in this category, uh, even though they might not run out there on the first play from scrimmage, uh, given your, your skill your alignment, whatever you might do. Um, I would also think that you could make the argument for a dynamic back. Uh, We talked a little bit about this yesterday, about a Travis Etienne. If you were to pick somebody like that, again, James Robinson's your starting back on the first play from scrimmage, but if you picked somebody like Etienne, you would utilize him, is my point. So what I'm getting at here is for a 1-15 in football team, that obviously has a lot of holes after free agency with what they have coming back with solidifying the quarterback spot it's really debatable on where you would go with number 25 overall number 33 overall uh and and where they would slide into a starting job and very often is the case even on good teams you can pick a guy 25th overall and he's going to see significant playing time or be a starter and so I think that's a little bit interesting right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It also speaks to, can we do something dynamic in the draft here in Jacksonville? Because you really don't need 11 picks, right? I mean, sure. if, if if when you're at pick 25 and pick 33 and some of the top picks in the first few rounds, and you know those guys are going to be... Uh, part of rotation, but maybe not even in starting roles, potentially. Well, what the heck do you really need a backloaded draft of 5th and 6th and 7th round guys? You, you went and got so much depth in free agency. That's why it would be so nice, and I really think fans would want to see the Jags be aggressive here and move up and go get a player that they covet in this draft. It hasn't seemingly happened in a long time, significantly. The Jags did move up a couple spots years ago to get Miles Jack, and I think even moved a spot or two to get Cam Robinson but you know what I mean. I'm talking, go from 33 and back into the first round if, if you see somebody you like. Or get yeah. from 25 to obviously the Pitts play that everybody is talking about. You just might have to give up too much in that regard.
1: Yeah, I think the other position, too, that is warranted to be mentioned here as well is that outside linebacker providing you're playing a 3 4 defense. Because, you know, Josh Allen has cemented his role as a starter. Caleb on Chase on should as well. But it's like I've always said. The most important positions in a three four defense are outside linebackers. And while Calavon Chason should have a, a a much better year this year playing in a position that he's naturally accustomed to playing, are you still willing to risk it and say, Okay, we're not gonna address this in the draft at all because we like Calavon Chason? Sure. I mean I've been the first one to say I think Calavon Chason could be a special player. I, I, I'm a fan of his first step, I'm a fan of his skill set. I just need to see him play in the proper position. But are you willing to risk it? And say, okay, maybe we'll wait till the third or fourth or later rounds to address the outside linebacker, or do you go early on just to you know, kind of as a fail safe per se, because that's such an important position? And if I'm Urban Meyer and if I'm Joe Collin, I'm taking a long, strong look um, at that 25th pick, or maybe later on in the draft, uh, maybe that second round, uh, maybe an outside linebacker as well, just so you have a fail safe in, ca- in case Chase doesn't make that progress like we expect him to make this year.
0: Yeah, I guess the moral of the story for me is it's it, it, it's not only interesting because you, you wonder where guys will fit if they are drafted on day one or even day two. And normally those guys are going to see significant playing time, and you hope they are key contributors to get your team better. I'm not sure that's exactly the case with this team, although from a rotational depth standpoint, you certainly would. But it also goes to show how much they did in free agency. When you add or when you make 17 transactions, and some of that's keeping your own, franchising Tag Camp Robinson, bringing back four other players that you had on your roster and signing them, when you make 12 other free agent moves, you've really done a lot on a 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. And some of those guys, I think, are debatable whether they actually see September on this Jacksonville Jaguars roster. Some of those deals were very moderate, where you could replace them with better players uh, down the road and in- in, in like that third wave of free agency, guys that get released when rosters are done late in uh, early September, or just from the draft, where you might find a better player and outperforms in camp, uh, much like, by the way, James Robinson kind of did, and they were able to cut Leonard Fournette and let him walk. So, uh, well, that was a little bit different situation. You get my point. So I, I think it's fascinating with the Jaguars team, and I just can't bounce it back uh, in my mind. They were 1-15. You have so many holes, you're not very good, yet they feel like they're plugged in in a lot of spots, or at least it does that way to me when I look at uh, their depth chart on offense and on defense. Let I mean, me you ask you this, this quick, Brent. Uh, I want to ask yeah, you this question.
1: Ahead. Rank right now. So obviously, you know, interior defensive line was a position of need. They've addressed it pretty well in free agency. So if we're going to rank right now the the needs of this team in the first round, and, and you, let's go and throw tight end out of there, because if it's going to be Kyle Pitts, it's going to be Kyle Pitts. But if not... It's not like I see Fryermuth being a 25th pick of the draft, right? So, no, that's way throw, of so, reach, right? Correct. So let's throw the tight end position out of the mix. Rank right now what you want to see the Jaguars address then with that 25th pick, where the roster stands right now. Like, you yeah, know, it, in, in order to it,
0: most importance. It, absolutely. And, and you got it. Uh, I would say right now, if I can't get tight end in that spot because I don't think the talent is there, I think that would be a reach. I would be looking at a playmaker on offense. I don't know if that is uh, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, someone like you said, add another receiver in there. Is it one of the backs, which would seem kind of high to pick a back? I get it, uh, but at least it's not the top five, folks. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but so, is,
1: so so you're going to say you're going to take a running back over an edge rusher right now, with, even though you have James Robinson.
0: Well, I, I feel like I don't know if I'm getting uh, – I've done this study before, okay? And I don't want. I want to kind of hedge this because I don't have it in front of me. But I did this last year, and when you get past pick number 20 in edge rushers, it could be feast or famine, big time, and more time, more often than not, famine. It's very hard to find somebody who's going to help you out and help you out in a big way in that 20 to 35 range. Uh, If if I remember the study I did. Uh, Listen, you can give me, I I know you're going to give me examples. You can Listen, I hope Chason fits that mold. He was picked at number 20. But does this draft have that? Does this draft have a T.J. Watt that you're going to find? Or are we going to instead pick somebody that that plays, and I know it's not a similar position, but a little bit more like uh, turns out to be a Taven Bryant? You know what I mean? That's the feast or famine I'm talking about. You can find T.J. Watt, but more often than not, you find Taven Bryant's. Uh, that at that uh, time of the draft, when it comes to pass rushers, uh, if I remember the study I did that uh, last year with the Jags in that second pick.
1: Okay, what what do you think the same study says about the playmakers at the wide receiver position when you draft them late in the draft like that?
0: Uh, I think you get way more value uh, okay. off a off a late well late first round, even even into the second round, Austin. So to your point, if you saw an edge rusher there and you had pick 33, you'd probably just be able to get as much value potentially at 33 out of uh, maybe even a back or maybe even a wide receiver than um, taking them at 25. Okay. So in fairness to your question, because the Jags have two picks so close together at 25 and 33, I would think that would be something they would consider you're talking like that, you'd say, "Okay, can we get this edge rusher after this edge rusher at 25? If we don't pick him, we don't like anybody until like the 4th round." Well, at receiver or maybe even running back, where you think you can get some playmaking ability, you say, "Well, I get this at 25, but I also can get this at 33." So if you follow me, you you might win that. I'm you asked me what way would I rank him? Mm-hmm. And and way I would rank him is I want more offensive uh, I want an, another offensive playmaker. Uh, before I probably want what I see at number 25 on the edge. Okay. Gotcha. You disagree?
1: Uh, No, I mean, to me it all depends how the draft shakes out. I think if Taylor Morick's there, then you know safety to me is still a little bit of a concern. I like what he brings to the table. I might pull the trigger on Taylor Morick. So, once again, assuming that the draft shakes out like I want it to, which I doubt it's going to because I think he's going to go earlier than 25, I would put safety at number one. I think that it would be a a 2A and 2B in terms of edge rush and in terms of playmaking ability. Because like we've said, I mean, they have wide receivers. They have Marvin Jones playing the two. They have Chanel essentially a three and kind of the gadget guy. And they obviously have DJ Chark. Now, do you want to see more speed and maybe a dynamic playmaker? Absolutely. But who do they have on the edge right now? They have Caleb on, Chase on, and Josh Allen. Who else do they have? Do we know? I mean, is there like another...
0: Outside linebacker who's in the mix right now? Uh, where will uh, where will Ward play, picked up from the Reds? Oh, okay, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, th- th- that's a good point. Um, I guess uh, would... And by the way, they do have, depending on how they want to use, like from the strong side, uh, Leon Jacobs still on the roster.
1: Yeah, but I don't think from a pass rushing perspective no, he's I he's going to mean he's
0: yeah No, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. I'm just telling you from a depth play, from a strong side standpoint, they still have him as a body right sure, now. Sure, sure. Uh, so... I, I'm not denying that you need some more help. What I'm asking is how much help can you get at 25 and 33 in this draft? And I don't know if that answer is a resounding, heck yeah, let's do it. Uh, Like like you said it yesterday, right? But what if a Gregory Rousseau, who's a good player, who you kind of get excited about as a player, but you don't really like him in this scheme much?
1: No, no, absolutely not. I think he's going to –
0: yeah, he's got – look, he's very raw.
1: Uh, he plays with his hand in the dirt, great hustle, all that stuff, but I don't see him playing an outside linebacker anytime soon.
0: Okay, so that's kind of my point. Is like Gregory Rousseau might be T.J. Watt, mm. but it just kind of doesn't fit. Yeah in Jacksonville. So you're not going to take I mean, it. Might go then offensive weapon or bowl or, or somebody else. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know,
1: the, his teammate Jalen Phillips, I think is a little smaller than Rousseau. I think that you could possibly coach him up how to play outside linebacker. But once again, doesn't have a lot of experience doing it. I think Xavier Collins out of Tulsa, even though he's more of that middle linebacker type. I mean, they're, they're saying this guy could be something special in terms of his speed, his intensity, all that stuff, all those things, check the Joe Cohen boxes. Now, how is his pass rush? Can you keep teach him how to you know rush the passer right away? I'm not sure about that, but like to me, Xavier Collins is the most intriguing guy out of that group because he has the most to gain. I feel like because he was more of a middle linebacker at Tulsa. Um, you know the, the 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 cat from Penn State, uh, Jason away or whatever um he, he's another guy who's got experience playing the outside great pass rush skill set so, so there's some guys out there that would translate in my opinion better to a three four outside linebacker but that's the point though brent i don't want to take a guy who's going to be um you know a problem of okay we gotta teach him how to play standing up we gotta teach him how to drop back into coverage you can't afford that that's a luxury right now what you need a, a guy to do is come in day one and say all right what's up caleb on chase on i'm here to push you either you can handle it or you can't i'm taking your spot that's what I want to see if they go with edge rusher and they go with defensive end.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, what we're talking about, based on need and spots and fits and everything else and what might be out there at certain positions, we might truly be talking about a BPA in that spot, the best player available. Everybody likes to say it. It doesn't always happen, especially in the first round and that high in the draft. Uh, we might seriously be talking about the rest of the draft for the Jags in the, in the BPA mold. although I think they'll lean on the offensive end toward the middle of the rounds. Hey, real quick, Devontae Smith slips to number 18 in the draft. Are you doing all you can to go get him, the wide receiver from Alabama?
1: Yeah, I mean, you put him in the slot, that's a a speed guy, that's a dynamic playmaker. Uh, I would seriously consider it absolutely.
0: All right, maybe a little bit more on that. Alabama had their pro day today. We talked more football, little NCAA tournament. Florida State, are they good enough to win this thing now? Uh, it's all on the way. We are live at Eagle Landing Golf Club out here near Oak Leaf Plantation, one of the best-kept golf courses, best-kept secrets in Jacksonville. you got to get out here to play, and you can do so if you purchase the Dream 18 card on ESPN690.com. We'll be right back. Brent Martineau. Uh, then I said... Still looking for his fourth career sack. Austin Lane. i spending pretty much every single day with somebody
1: for pretty much two years now that you know somebody. And they surprise you. I sit here before you right now,
0: and I am surprised. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN
1: 690. We're in a, a, a basketball conference with some of the most rich, traditional, successful, traditional basketball programs in the history of college basketball. I'm not real sure we're ever going to make up for the 75 or 80 years of success that some of the problems in our league has, 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 has enjoyed. So, you know, what we're trying to find a way to carve our own little niche out, and I'm not really sure how long it's going to take us to be considered or if we ever will be considered in the, the blue blood status. So, we just kind of coined our own phrase we're new bloods, we knew on the block, we didn't get invited to the blue blood party. So, we we, we kind of coined our own little phrase of new bloods, guys who were trying. You know, to earn our earned respect.
0: That is Leonard Hamilton talking about the Florida State Seminoles. Victorious last night over a Colorado team that looked so good in round one. And then through the first 15 minutes of the game against Florida State, they only had like 11 points. I mean, they hit everything in round one. They couldn't hit anything last night. And at Florida State, they too were a little bit slowed in the first half offensively, but turned it around the second half to go away uh, and win with ease onto the Sweet 16 against Michigan. Can they beat Michigan? Can they get to the Final Four? Are they good enough to win the whole thing? It's already a wacky tournament, so the question of can is an empty one. Of course they can. Anything can happen in this tournament, and yes, they can. But realistically, do you feel good about this year's team making a deep run for Florida State? Now that you watch them, I'm not even sure, Austin, they've played their best basketball. In fact, I know it. They have not played their best basketball here in the NCAA tournament, and they're still 2-0.
1: No, without a doubt, you know if Michigan can bring that out of them, uh, it should be a great game. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, Michigan surprised me last night in terms of their firepower. Um, yeah, LSU can put up points now, you know, and they're a they're a very potent team. But um, yeah, I mean, even that Michigan offense was way too much for LSU. I feel like Michigan's playing a good brand of football, uh, football, a good brand of basketball right now, and I'm looking forward to that Michigan uh, Florida State matchup. That should be a great one.
0: Yeah, Michigan would love to play a good brand of football. <laughs> yeah, if only. Well, keep keep paying your coaches what you're paying
1: them, I guess, and keep re-upping those coaches because apparently you're doing, you're doing okay. You're just not beating Ohio State quite yet. I was
0: going to say, Ohio State's all for that kind of football yeah. uh, from Michigan. All right, let's uh, talk more football. Before the break, I asked you, I, I just played the scenario because what the heck we can, right? Devontae Smith, who I actually do think, Austin, is a little bit overhyped in this draft. From an NFL standpoint, hmm. as a top 10 guy, I, 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 his slight nature concerns me a bit. I know he's a brilliant route runner, fast, good hands, he's done it, and, and he's proven he can do it. And I don't usually like to knock guys for that. There's just something that says, man, are we hyping this guy so much off those last couple of months of that season, which was terrific and sensational. And put him on the Jags right now, and I'd be happy. But I just don't know about him as a in that top ten range in that lottery pick kind of talk, uh, and so just for this argument, I asked you before the break if he were to slip to like 18, which is probably a pretty big slip for him, but appease me here. Would you be would you consider trading up for him, like when because this goes along with the topic I had to start the show. And that was, which side do you want to go with number 25 or 33? Do you want to go offense, defense? Well, I like the idea of going to get a playmaker, or if there's one at 25, trying a playmaker out on the offensive end. Would I go get Devontae Smith? Is he enough to move up for? We all know if Kyle Pitts fell, and probably outside the top 10, we'd be begging the Jags to go up and get him. Would you be doing something similar for Devontae Smith? And I'll I'll make the drop a little bit more deep to get him to, like, number 18, so it's a reasonable jump, not jump from 25 to, like, 11. Mm. Uh, Would you do that? And does he excite you as a playmaker in the NFL and potentially what he could do to add another dynamic to this offense in Jacksonville?
1: Obviously it comes with a caveat depending on how this draft would shake out. But if Devontae Smith is up there, Um, would I risk it to get him? And I would probably say absolutely yes. Because I understand the size, okay? I understand the height. I understand the weight, and I understand all that. But he's the future. These smaller-typed, fast-twitch, quick receivers, they are the future, Okay, forget what you think about the old school guys like a Calvin Johnson or an Andre Johnson, like these big receivers. Like, yeah, there's a need for them too, or like a Julio Jones or an AJ Green in his prime. Like, yeah, the, those receivers, uh, they're still obviously, if you, if you can get a good one, they're great. Don't get me wrong, they're the red zone targets. Um, I guess you know, kind of Kenny Galladay. You see what he just got paid, right? Well, he yep. he got paid for a reason. So I'm not saying that there's not a need for those guys. But if you can find that smaller type where you can kind of move him around the field a little bit, I like a Tyree kill. I'm not ready to even compare Devontae Smith to Tyree kill. I think there's differences in their game. I see like a, more, a little more like a like a Calvin Ridley. I guess I would say maybe an upgrade from Calvin Ridley, and he's doing pretty well in Atlanta yeah, right now. That'd be pretty good uh, for, for the Falcons, you know. And I think he's even could be better than Calvin Ridley. So that says a lot right now um, about Devontae Smith. But I think the whole thing with Devontae Smith is if he's going to have success. He's got to find the right scheme um, and the right offense to play in. I don't think he comes in day one and is expected to be the, the one receiver. I think if that was the case, then that would be a problem. I think what made DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown so great was is- – they were brought in not to be the go-to guy right away. Remember, like there is there is some kind of like ah DK Metcalf, yeah he runs straight laterally, but uh, you know his 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 uh, his th- three cone shuttle was the same as Tom Brady's. Can he really run routes stuff like that? Ah, we still got Tyler Lockett over here, so we'll put DK Metcalf at number two until teams start taking him seriously. What happened with DK Metcalf? The guy came on the scene, absolutely tore the house off, and now he's, he's pretty much the true one receiver of Seattle, uh, and he's the future of the Seattle Seahawks, pending that Russell Wilson's still going to be there. I think A.J. Brown can be said about the same thing a little bit. Obviously, they had Corey Davis there. He still have a strong running game. Now, Corey Davis never amounted to that true one receiver, but I think A.J. Brown went to Tennessee without the pressure of being that one guy until it was time for him to be the one guy. The same can be said for Devontae Smith if he comes to Jacksonville. You're going to have D.J. Chark. You're going to have Marvin Jones. They're not going to expect Devontae Smith to you know, be the guy right away. But if he plays into that, so be it. All I know from what I've seen about Devontae Smith, though, on the biggest stages is when he's shines the brightest. And, and there's something to be said about that.
0: Yeah, listen, I, I think he's a really good wide receiver. I I, I would just say what I've, I feel like he's a shade overhyped I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I kind of feel like even Pitts has been a shade overhyped. <laughs> but I like I can see that more because of the, the examples of it and where the game is in the NFL of, like, Pitts having way more of an impact than a guy like Devontae Smith. And I understand what you're saying about the game. But I just feel like if you put, let's just say, Pitts goes number six to the Eagles and uh, Devontae Smith goes number eight, you know, to whoever's picking number eight, uh, Carolina. And... I just, I really do feel like Pitts is going to have a bigger impact on that football team than Smith will. How much is that? I think it's a pretty decent margin. I, I really do. So, uh, that's, that's kind of, I see a difference in those guys. I don't see them grouped together at how much they can help their team on the next level, especially, uh, especially immediately. So that's why I kind of bring it up in that context. Let me give you a little different context. He was Alabama Pro Day today. He got Mac Jones, of course, Najee Harris. Did you see that story? What a wild story. And I would think yeah. the NFL guys would love this. Uh, he, he couldn't get out of uh, wherever he was flying in from, uh, Louisiana or Texas, and couldn't get the, uh, the flight. So he drove nine hours. He wasn't mm-hmm. even working out at his pro day. He drove nine hours to be with his teammates. Uh, it says a lot about Najee Harris, I think. Uh, easily could have been like, ah, sorry, guys, I missed my flight. Can't get it. The weather's bad. Uh, good luck. And so I think NFL guys are really going to like that that little intangible right there with Najee Harris. But you have Najee Harris, you have Mac Jones, you have Devontae Smith, uh, you have Patrick Sertan. By the way, ran a four four two today, uh, and you have Forrestall and you know, go keep naming them. <laughs> you know all the all the Alabama guys, like ten of them that might go in the first three rounds. If you could have one, who are you taking? Out of all those guys? For the Jags, by the way. So, like, you're not going to take Mac Jones, is my point. Um, But if you can take any Alabama guy that's coming out this year, who are you taking?
1: Uh, What this roster looks like right now, you know how I feel about Christian Barmore. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. This is a great question. To me, it comes down between Waddle and Devontae Smith. And... And don't call it a gut feeling or like just you know don't call it anything. I I would take Jalen Waddle over everybody.
0: Interesting. Yeah, a guy who hasn't played in a year, pretty much. Because I think the it's injury. the guy who's
1: most likely Tyreek uh, Tyree kill out of this draft.
0: That's uh, you know what? By the way, I could buy into what you're saying there. And again, that's it's not. I don't want this to come across like I'm, I'm a Devonte Smith hater. I'm not. I, I think he's going to be a really good football player. I just think he's been a little old, pushed up the draft board a little bit too high. And Waddle's a guy I think if you ask people last year before the injury, after the injury, he's a guy that hasn't budged much. I think he and he and Jamar Chase have been viewed as these like special talents at the wide receiver position. I would not mind that, but isn't that wild? Like, couldn't you could you make the case for Devontae Smith? You can make the case for uh, Waddle. You could make the case. You know who I like, right? Smith? Patrick Sertan. Uh, uh, um, yeah, hello. Yeah, Patrick Sertan. Yeah, You
1: love him, Patrick
0: Sertan. I, 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 I mean, I think he's going to be. Is turning into
1: a Patrick, it's turning into a Patrick Sertan podcast here, but yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I think he's going to be good, but now the Jags fill a void with Shaquille Griffin, and I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't make much sense, right? I mean, that wouldn't be a fit. Yeah. So if I'm looking at this from the Jags' perspective, that doesn't make sense. I, I Here's a uh, Barmore, right? You said. Yeah. There, that's a fit. That makes sense. It still makes sense, even though the Jags beefed up, they could still get young. What's really interesting here is the Najee Harris scout. If you read stuff on him, people will say he's actually better touted, better scouted coming out of college than Derrick Henry is or was. Mm. And if you look at what Henry's been able to do, they see Harris is a little bit more deadly from the, uh, in the receiving game as well. It really makes you think twice. And I wonder if that helps slide him up the board a little bit given what Derrick Henry has done in the NFL and maybe even him being projected coming out of school better than Derrick Henry. I think Najee Harris is going to be really interesting to see where he goes in this draft uh, and how high up in that first round potentially. You know, I
1: (laughs) – And he is an intriguing receiving prospect as well. You know, it's not his forte per se. He's more of the power runner. But, I mean, the guy can catch the balls out of the backfield. But at the same time, and I understand Urban Meyer wasn't responsible for James Robinson. uh, Really, none of these coaches were. But, you know, Najee Harris, there are some comparisons, I feel like, in running styles to James Robinson. I think Najee Harris might have him beat in a lot of areas. But I'm not going to turn my back on James Robinson after one year, especially that rookie year that he had. So... You know, if you get Najee Harris, then so be it. But to me, then you're kind of crowding the running back room with two of the same type of guy with Najee Harris, who probably has him edged out in terms of receiving capabilities. If I if I go running back, I'm going dynamic playmaker. I'm going home run threat. Not to say Najee Harris isn't that guy, but I want more explosiveness. No disrespect to him. So I think Najee Harris would probably be down more on my list. I'd probably go Waddle first, then Devontae Smith, then I would probably go. Christian Barmore, and then I'd probably finish it off with uh, Najee Harris.
0: I do think, listen, now you got a lot to choose from when it comes to Alabama. So Alabama's having their pro day, and, and you got uh, in this context, I think it's a fascinating question, really. It's like, which receiver would you like? Would you like Najee Harris with pick 25 or 33? Would you like Barmore with pick twenty? I mean, you could really have debates about a lot of these guys. And I think some of those players are fascinating to watch. I think there's a possibility Smith slips a little bit longer, uh, deeper down than people think. So he'll be an interesting first-round guy, although he'll never get by, like, number 15, 16, 17, something like that. He's not going to slip all the way down. I think Najee Harris is interesting to watch because of his production and what he was able to do at Alabama and what a guy like Henry has been able to do And I, as you look at it. I think... Barmore is interesting. Could he go into the second round, or is this guy coming to life and now everything that everybody expected him to be? And then I believe the ultimate guy in this draft that is going to be interesting to watch is from right here in Jacksonville, and that's Mac Jones. I think he is like the wild card of the first round. I could see Atlanta taking him. I could see Carolina taking him. I could see Washington taking him. I could see the Patriots taking him. I could see him slipping down into the 20s and somebody else taking him. I think Alabama's guys here – are really interesting. They have a ton of them to choose from Austin. Yeah. But I think they are some wild cards on where they're gonna go in this first and potentially early second round. Without a doubt.
1: And it's a testament to once again the you know, the talent that Alabama puts in year in and year out. That's something you have to remember too as well. Now depending on the position, but usually if you get an Alabama guy in there especially in the first round, um they're probably going to contribute right away. Now, sometimes you can go back to the list and be like, ah, it takes a while to adjust a little bit. I'm reminded of and Williams, who I think his first year he had some yeah. problems, but now he's, you know, he's kind of getting situated there uh, in New York. But usually when you bring an Alabama guy in that high of the, you know, the first round or the second round, um, you got a pretty quality prospect to say the least.
0: I'm thinking of Alabama guys the Jags have taken recently, and you got Ronnie Harrison. And Again, I think Ronnie Harrison's an okay player. It was a bad fit, didn't work out. Cam Robinson's another one, and now here he is on the franchise tag. But it's uh, not like these guys are pro bowlers. T.J. Yeldon. And T.J. Yeldon, yeah, kind of, yeah. You know, Marcel Darius played, but he obviously wasn't drafted by the Jags. So, it's not like... Again, I mean, Alabama, it doesn't make you automatically a pro bowler because you played at Alabama. It's just not the way it works in the NFL. Well,
1: I think you feel better about Alabama guys than Florida Gators besides Uh, Kyle Pitts right now if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan.
0: Yeah, I I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, Yeah, yeah, there's just no can't miss is the point uh, at any program in the country, even as good as Alabama is. Let's take a time out. We talk more football. How much better did the Jags get in free agency? That's on the topic list, and it's on the way on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. You're forcing them up because of not only desperation, it's the most important position, not only in football, but in all sports. Uh, Without quarterback, what are you going to do? You're spinning your wheel. So to me, that's why we see quarterbacks going much higher than they should. By by that, I mean Green, they're not ranked as high as they're going. So when you're picking, say, fourth in the draft, you would hope you get a quarterback or a player, I should say, that's in your top four on your board. Well, no, you can make that happen by any way you want to put the board together. But in reality, you're not getting one of the four best players. You're getting maybe the eighth, ninth, tenth best player. But since it's a quarterback, you're OK with that. Where you wouldn't be OK with that, had it be a player, would it be a player in another position? So to me, that's going to happen every year. These quarterbacks are, I think, a little bit more justifiable high picks uh, because of the talent they bring to the position. That is Mel Kuyper. We'll talk a little bit about his latest mock draft coming up here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He just said something at the end, which I agree with. You know, I feel like Mel's been saying that for years. You know, quarterbacks are overvalued, overhyped, all that stuff. Yeah, I get it. Uh, That's true. But this year, I'm not so sure. Like, I think these guys might legitimately be the best players in the draft. And I think Trevor Lawrence, you could make the case, is the best player in the draft. Zach Wilson, maybe he is. Justin Fields, maybe he is. Uh, now, listen, Kyle Put- Pitts could be in that conversation. There could be other players in that conversation. But I think you can make the case, more so than it seems like in the last handful of years, 10 years, and, and maybe even beyond, that this set of guys versus the field is going to be picked probably where they should be picked. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, let me go and ask
1: you this. This past season of college football, it was different. You know, obviously with COVID-19 and all that stuff, but, like, the season just felt different. All of a sudden, defense was not a priority anymore, even in the SEC, right? Everyone's scoring points. It is what it is. Does that make you nervous a little bit that you're coming off a season in college football where – you know, points were points were just everywhere. I mean, every team was putting up points. Quarterbacks were having some of the, you know the, their their best sets they ever had. Like, does that make you nervous now going into the NFL, where obviously the the defenses get upgraded, the skill level gets upgraded, and you're basing your numbers on that quarterback where you draft him, possibly on an an anomaly of a season that was just crazy in itself.
0: That's a good question, man. I I, I do think you are not going to see NFL-caliber defenses in college. And I don't even mean from the talent level. I just mean from the the friction level. Like, you're just not going to get a ton of resistance. I mean, Alabama, who's been so good, their defense we didn't even really talk about last year. You know, because their offense was so good. So if you make this crazy dynamic offense, then you know who cares about defense? Uh now Florida Gator fans would say, Can you give me some defense? Yeah, like just a little mm-hmm. bit. So I I get your point is on and uh you know, speaking to that, like there is a Kyle Trask. Like, is he falling into that category? You know, where he put up such gaudy numbers and people say, Yeah, but was it legit or was it because nobody was playing defense? I don't know, Austin. I I, I feel like college football is somewhat in line with the NFL in in this respect. Offense is king, and you better be able to score. Now, I think you're always going to be able to score more in college. I think there is less resistance and friction and defense in college. So I do think you have to weigh that, uh, and that's why so many people and even the critics want to put more emphasis on Trevor Lawrence's games in the Final Four against better defenses, right? So I, I think that does exist, but... I don't know if that's just a last year thing. I, I feel like we've been trending that way. Um, and it will be interesting to see how people get graded out based on just this offensive frenzy in college football.
1: For sure. That was a very fast break.
0: Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a quick one. Uh, but it's a good point. Like I, I, I don't know how you evaluate that. You have to evaluate what you've got. It's like people who argue, well, look at their schedule. It's like, okay, they won, though. They they, they That's the schedule they had to play, and they won. You know, it's it's got a little bit of that to it.
1: No, for sure. But I'm just saying when you talk about the most important position in football and you try to evaluate all that talent on a year that was an anomaly, like that that question has to come into play a little bit. Like, you listen, like from a wide receiver perspective or defensive end perspective, it's like, oh, these guys are good. They jump out on film from the quarterback position. It's a little different. And I wonder if there's some scouts that are saying, all right, we like Mac Jones a lot, but this was a really weird year. Defenses were down uh, all across the table. How much stake we put in these quarterbacks? Yeah. And it's, it's the reason why you don't hear a lot about Trey Lance, because why Trey Lance didn't play against you know against this year, against these defenses, and we haven't seen a lot of sample sizes last season.
0: Well, just to echo your point, up until Patrick Mahomes and now even Baker Mayfield, I said this about the Big 12 for years. Guys are running wide open. How do you evaluate that quarterback? He's throwing to air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there's no defenders in sight. Yeah. And you know, so and now everybody's doing that. So uh, I think it's a fair point. Maybe there is a bigger missed probability. We gotta take a break. We'll be back live from Eagle Landing Golf Club out here at Oakleaf Plantation here on a Tuesday on Action Sports Shags on ESPN six ninety.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.